This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Anderson. The Story Girl by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Chapter 21 Dreamer of Dreams. August went out and September came in. Harvest was ended, and though summer was not yet gone, her face was turning westering. The asters lettered her retreating footsteps in a purple script, and over the hills and valleys hung a faint blue smoke, as if nature were worshipping at her woodland altar. The apples began to burn red on the bending boughs. Crickets sang day and night. Squirrels chattered secrets of Polichinae in the spruces. The sunshine was as thick and yellow as molten gold. School opened, and we small denizens of the hill farms lived happy days of harmless work and necessary play, closing in the nights of peaceful, undisturbed slumber under a roof watched over by autumnal stars. At last our slumbers were peaceful and undisturbed until our orgy of dreaming began. "'I would really like to know what especial kind of deviltry you fry are up to at this time,' said Uncle Roger one evening, as he passed through the orchard with his gun in his shoulder, bound for the swamp. We were sitting in a circle before the pulpit stone, each writing diligently in an exercise book and eating the Reverend Mr. Scott's plums, which always reached their prime of juicy golden-green flesh and bloomy blue skin in September. The Reverend Mr. Scott was dead and gone, but those plums certainly kept his memory green, as his forgotten sermons never could have done. "'Oh!' said Felicity in a shocked tone when Uncle Roger had passed by. "'Uncle Roger swore!' "'Oh, no, he didn't,' said the story girl quickly. "'Deviltry isn't swearing at all. "'It only means extra bad mischief.' "'Well, it's not a very nice word anyhow,' said Felicity. "'No, it isn't,' agreed the story girl with a regretful sigh. "'It's very expressive, but it isn't nice. "'That is the way with so many words. "'They're expressive, but they're not nice, "'and so a girl can't use them.' "'The story girl sighed again. "'She loved expressive words and treasured them "'as some girls might have treasured jewels.' To her they were as lustrous pearls threaded on the crimson cord of a vivid fancy. When she met with a new one she uttered it over and over again to herself in solitude, weighing it, caressing it, infusing it with the radiance of her voice, making it her own in all its possibilities forever. "'Well, anyhow, it isn't a suitable word in this case,' insisted Felicity. "'We are not up to any devil—any extra bad mischief. Writing down one's dream isn't mischief at all.' "'Certainly it wasn't.' "'Surely not even the straightest sect of grown-ups could call it that. "'If writing down your dreams with agonizing care as to composition and spelling, "'for who knew that the eyes of generations unborn might not read the record, "'were not a harmless amusement, could anything be called so? "'I trow not. "'We had been at it for a fortnight, and during that time we only lived to have dreams and write them down.' The story girl had originated the idea one evening in the rustling, rain-wet ways of the spruce wood where we were picking gum after a day of showers. When we had picked enough, we sat down on the moss-grown stones at the end of a long arcade where it opened out onto the harvest-golden valley below us, our jaws exercising themselves vigorously on the spoil of our climbings. We were never allowed to chew gum in school or in company, but in wood and field, orchard and hayloft, such rules were in abeyance. "'My Aunt Jane used to say it wasn't polite to chew gum anywhere,' said Peter, rather ruefully. "'I don't suppose your Aunt Jane knew all the rules of etiquette,' said Felicity, "'designing to crush Peter with a big word borrowed from the family guide. "'But Peter was not so to be crushed. "'He had in him a certain toughness of fiber, "'and that would have been proof against a whole dictionary. 
She did, too, he retorted. My Aunt Jane was a real lady, even if she was only a Craig. She knew all those rules, and she kept them when there was nobody round to see her, just the same as when anyone was. And she was smart. If father had half her get up and get, I wouldn't be a hired boy today. Have you any idea where your father is? asked Dan. No, said Peter indifferently. The last we heard of him, he was in the main lumber woods, but that was three years ago. I don't know where he is now, and, added Peter deliberately, taking his gum from his mouth to make his statement more impressive, I don't care. Oh, Peter, that sounds dreadful, said Cecily. Your own father! Well, said Peter defiantly, if your own father had run away when you was a baby and left your mother to earn her living by washing and working out, I guess you wouldn't care much about him either. Perhaps your father may come some of these days with a huge fortune, suggested the story girl. Perhaps pigs may whistle, but they've poor mouths for it, was all the answer Peter deigned to this charming suggestion. There goes Mr. Campbell down the road, said Dan. That's his new mare. Isn't she a dandy? She's got a skin like black satin. He calls her Betty Sherman. I don't think it's very nice to call a horse after your own grandmother, said Felicity. Betty Sherman would have thought it a compliment, said the story girl. Maybe she would. She couldn't have been very nice herself, or she would never have gone and asked a man to marry her, said Felicity. Why not? Goodness me, it was dreadful. Would you do such a thing yourself? Well, I don't know, said the story girl, her eyes gleaming with impish laughter. If I wanted him dreadfully, and he wouldn't do the asking, perhaps I would. I'd rather die an old maid forty times over, exclaimed Felicity. Nobody as pretty as you will ever be an old maid, Felicity, said Peter, who never put too fine an edge on his compliments. Felicity tossed her golden tressed head and tried to look angry, but made a dismal failure of it. It wouldn't be ladylike to ask anyone to marry you, you know, argued Cecily. I don't suppose the family guide would think so, agreed the story girl lazily, with some sarcasm in her voice. The story girl never held the family guide in such reverence as did Felicity and Cecily. They poured over the etiquette column every week and could have told you on demand just exactly what kind of gloves should be worn at a wedding, what you should say when introducing or being introduced, and how you ought to look when your best man was coming to see you. They say Mrs. Richard Cook asked her husband to marry her, said Dan. Uncle Roger says she didn't exactly ask him, but she helped the lame dog over the stile so slick that Richard was engaged to her before he knew what was happening to him, said the story girl. I know a story about Mrs. Richard Cook's grandmother. She was one of them women who were always saying, I told you so. Take notice, Felicity, said Dan aside. And she was very stubborn. Soon after she was married, she and her husband quarreled about an apple tree they had planted in their orchard. The label was lost. He said it was a famoose, and she declared it was a yellow transparent. They fought over it till the neighbors came out to listen. Finally, he got so angry that he told her to shut up. They didn't even have a family guide in those days, so he didn't know it wasn't polite to say shut up to your wife. I suppose she thought she would teach him manners, for would you believe it? The woman did shut up and never spoke one single word to her husband for five years. And then in five years' time, the tree bore apples, and they were yellow transparents. And then she spoke at last. She said, I told you so. And did she talk to him after that as usual? asked Sarah Ray. Oh, yes, she was just the same as she used to be, said the story girl wearily. But that doesn't belong to the story. It stops where she spoke at last. You've never satisfied to leave a story where it should stop, Sarah Ray. Well, I always like to know what happens afterwards, said Sarah Ray. 
"'Uncle Roger says he wouldn't want a wife he could never quarrel with,' remarked Dan. "'He says it would be too tame a life for him.' "'I wonder if Uncle Roger will always stay a bachelor,' said Cecily. "'He seems real happy,' observed Peter. "'Ma says that it's all right as long as he's a bachelor because he won't take anyone,' said Felicity. "'But if he wakes up some day and finds he's an old bachelor because he can't get anyone, it'll have a very different flavor.' "'If your Aunt Olivia was to up and get married, "'what would your Uncle Roger do for a housekeeper?' asked Peter. "'Oh, but Aunt Olivia will never be married now,' said Felicity. "'Why, she'll be twenty-nine next January.' "'Well, of course, that's pretty old,' admitted Peter. "'But she might find someone who wouldn't mind that, seeing she's so pretty.' "'It would be awful splendid and exciting to have a wedding to the family, wouldn't it?' said Cecily. "'I've never seen anyone married, and I'd just love to. "'I've been to four funerals, but not to one single wedding.' "'I've never even got to a funeral,' said Sarah Ray, gloomily. "'There's the wedding veil of the proud princess,' said Cecily, "'pointing to a long drift of filmy vapor in the southwestern sky. "'And look at that sweet pink cloud below it,' said Felicity. "'Maybe that little pink cloud is a dream, "'getting all ready to float down into somebody's sleep,' suggested the story girl. "'I had a perfectly awful dream last night,' said Cecily, "'with a shudder of remembrance.' i dreamed i was on a desert island inhabited by tigers and natives with two heads oh said the story girl looking at cecily half reproachfully why couldn't you tell it better than that if i had such a dream i could tell it so that everybody else would feel as if they dreamed it too well i'm not you countered cecily and i wouldn't want to frighten anyone as i was frightened it was an awful dream but it was kind of interesting too "'I've had some real interesting dreams,' said Peter, "'but I can't remember them long. I wish I could.' "'Why don't you write them down?' suggested the story girl. "'Oh!' She turned upon us, a face illuminated with a sudden inspiration. "'I've an idea. Let's each of us get an exercise book and write down all our dreams, just as we dream them. We'll see who'll have the most interesting collection, and we'll have them to read and laugh over when we're old and gray.' Instantly we all saw ourselves and each other by inner vision, old and gray, all but the story girl. We could not picture her as old. Always, as long as she lived, so it seemed to us, must she have sleek brown curls, a voice like the sound of a harp string in the wind, and eyes that were stars of eternal youth. End of chapter 21